Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Claussen, and today I have Angela Perger on with us. She is an Ayurvedic practitioner, holistic health professional, and yoga teacher. Her goal is to share these ancient sciences in simple, everyday ways so that you can be your happiest and healthiest self. So welcome to the show today, Angela. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you on today, and I would love to start. Anyone who practices Ayurveda, I always like to hear, how did Ayurveda come into your life? The seed was planted during yoga teacher training, although um, I have to say I was super confused by Ayurveda, but I'm <laughs> intrigued like a lot of people when we first learned about it. And then basically prior to that, uh, when I was 21, I was diagnosed with two autoimmune conditions, ulcerative colitis and a rare autoimmune liver condition. So throughout my 20s, I tried all sorts of different healing diet protocols and then Later on, after the birth of my children, I started to have, once you have one autoimmune condition, they kind of just start piling on. So I was diagnosed with hypothyroidism during my pregnancies. And after my pregnancies, I started to experience more issues with the colitis, which is an irritable bowel disease. So more digestive complaints. And after seeing a naturopath, the top university doctor, all of these specialists, one of my students at the yoga studio was studying Ayurveda and that kind of sparked my interest back to it. And by that time I'd already fallen in love with yoga. I knew yoga's magic. And so anything that was related to yoga, I knew was going to be amazing in my life. I just had that inkling, that intuitive pull. And basically I worked with her a little bit, but my case was so complicated because it was compounded decades of issues. And she said, I think you should you know, see my teacher. And at that point, I just, I knew like my heart just knew nobody else has the answer for you. You have to study this and really understand and get to the bottom of it in order to have healing. So I basically a few days later just signed up for an Ayurveda health counselor training course, not putting a lot of that analytical, like, <laughs> you know, solar powered masculine, or I guess, you know, but just like that feminine intuitive pull of it's time to learn for yourself. So I dove in and fell in love with it right away. And of course it changed my life in so many more ways than just digestion. Although that was a main factor at the time, my daughter was breastfeeding baby. So having that full full-time commitment to an Ayurvedic lifestyle, I could just feel the energetic and mental shift, which was, I mean, I guess I should have known with yoga, it's the same thing, <laughs> but um, it was like a beautiful surprise. So I just fell in love with it from like day one of fully committing. Oh, that's amazing. Um, and one thing that you had mentioned was liver and in Ayurveda, like liver is an, a very important organ. So is that something that you still kind of go into practices like castor oil packs and things like that, um, to kind of help you with, you know, liver health? Oh yeah. I see, you know, when I first came to Ayurveda, there was like a year of the glory period where I honestly believed I was cured of these chronic conditions because <laughs> I was feeling so great. I mean, I announced it on my podcast. I'm like, you know, I'm cured. And then like reality set in and everything's cyclical. And yes, I peeled back a layer, but here I am now, like, like years into the Ayurvedic journey. And I'm, you know, there's like more layers to peel back. So I still have colitis. I still have, um, you know, an autoimmune liver condition. And I, uh, 
in a way I'm still backtracking. There's you know, as everyone that's gone through this Ayurvedic journey, there's detoxification and then there's rejuvenation and there's such a dance between the two and we don't want to overly detox to deplete ourselves. So we're in that Vata aggravated state. So it's like some nourishment, some detox back and forth. And sometimes the practices overlap. <laughs> I feel like castor oil pack is something that overlaps and gives you both in the moment, just like Abhyanga. So yes, I mean, I have, I have quite a self-care uh, regime, you could say. <laughs> and how do you do that? So you have two kiddos and how mm -hmm. do you kind of fit that in? Cause I think that's often, you know, something that moms are like, how do I make time for myself with young kids and make this time to heal, especially since you started your journey while you were still breastfeeding, you know, your daughter, you said. Yeah. I love this question because I feel like I, I got goosebumps. I didn't have any role models in this. Like my teacher didn't have any children. Her whole life was dedicated to Ayurveda. So she had no idea what it was like. I had a three and a half year old and an infant and I'm trying to like <laughs> cook all my meals from scratch. So I think for moms, first of all, it takes creative thinking and it takes letting go of remembering that those guidelines in the ancient text as they're written were written for men. And at the end of the day, they weren't written for people that are running a household, caring for the family and the primary caregivers. So there's that. Um, so a couple of different things have been really helpful for me. One is understanding the essence of what the teachings are saying, and then looking at it and thinking, where could I combine things? Mm -hmm. Where could I make a shortcut? Where could I do something else that gives the same effect that doesn't necessarily take as much time? So like once we under, once we look at those things from the Gravati Gunas, those qualities and understand what it is that's being said there, then looking for shortcuts. And mm -hmm. that's what works for me right now. And maybe later on, I will have, you know, a full two hours for a morning routine to myself. But right now my little darlings wake up at like 630. So, <laughs> and they're ready to start their day at 630. Oh, no. So it's not like they're just chilling at that time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I'm not going to wake up at 4am and I need sleep because as you know, mothers need sleep. So yeah, a lot of creative thinking. And then another thing that's really been helpful for me is it started during my, I guess it started with, um, when my son who's now 10 was born before that I had my yoga practice was so dedicated. I went to 60 or 90 minute classes, like pretty much every day, or I'd practice for an hour at home by myself on my mat, like a full vinyasa practice. And then once he was born, like that just wasn't possible. Like I would drive to mommy and me and he'd be like breastfeeding during whole yoga class. So my brain was forced to shift. What is my yoga practice? And many days it was legs up the wall with him breastfeeding. He was mm. just like, he's a little pizza baby. He was growing and eating nonstop. Like forget the timer, you know? So it forced me. And then in toddlerhood, the same sort of like, revisioning what yoga looks like, the house would have the toys all over the place. And if I were to take the time to clean it all up and try and do a practice, like I'd never get to my practice. Cause you know, when you're putting away the laundry, they're ripping out another drawer. So I just had to accept the sacred messiness of motherhood and view those toys as like the fairy dust of childhood. Love and do that. yoga while like put my mat down in the middle of the mess. And half the time they're climbing on my back, they're bringing 
on top of the mat or you have to put it on Disney, like Sesame Street in the background and that's your soundtrack instead of your nice, relaxing binarial beats and just accept that's the phase of life you're in. So those, that same mindset, I think can be applied for moms for Ayurveda. You don't have to be by yourself in the bathroom with the door locked for two hours. You know, maybe they're in there talking to you, or maybe they're like nudging you while you're trying to do your pranayama practice there, you know, or whatever. Love it. I love, I mean, I think that's so helpful because that's, I think a lot of the pressure of like, oh, it's not for me because I can't, I can't, like, there's no way I can do through all of this morning routine and all of the self-care practices. And, you know, I having my seven-year-old is pretty independent, you know, because we didn't have our second now until recent. So he's had seven years. So he's very good at playing by himself. And then now I'm like throwing right back into it where I'm like, oh, got a little three-month-old now. And, you know, I'll do yoga nidra and he will lay on my chest and sleep you know, and I'm like, how can I fit in little practices like that little nuggets throughout the day? And that's being good enough. So I love that you said that. Cause I think, again, sometimes you have that guilt of like, this isn't, this isn't perfect. It's not the way it looks in the books and in the text. You know, I have this uh, visualization of a rock and a tumbler and how it gets kicked around and turns into a gemstone. And as moms, that's like our meditation practice. Like, you know, wouldn't it be so easy to just go sit by yourself in a cave and no one bothers you to sit there, but can you remain calm when, I mean, I remember one time my son, literally, I put the mat outside. I put the blanket with the toys. We're going to go do yoga in the backyard. And he's like throwing rocks at me while I'm doing yoga. (laughs) I mean, that is like the true test too. You're like, can I keep my calmness as this is occurring? (laughs) And adapt in the moment. Like if they're, if they're really not going to let you do it, then they sit on your lap, you do something fun and you do bridge pose and they're playing on you or whatever, you know? I love that. I love it. Um, Is there any way that you do incorporate Ayurveda with your kids? Like any practices that you all do together? I would say a little bit, but always in a subtle way Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's gentle. Although I, I, so to start with, I guess, I feel like yoga and Ayurveda interweave in so many ways. So what we could say is Ayurvedic when it's supporting like mental health and physical health, the yoga practices like pranayama and kids yoga. So I studied kids yoga and I taught kids yoga for a while. So I taught in their preschools and at their school and um, things like that. So just bringing in breathing practices, but in a fun kid friendly way, like there's a toy called a Hoberman sphere, which is one of those balls that you grab each side and it expands and contracts. So passing that around the class and then we have one at home they can play with. It's the breathing ball, things like that. Um, and of course I love Montessori. So I went down a little Pinterest rabbit hole when they were babies and sort of the Montessori method is allowing them to use adult things and really teaching them like my kids definitely have pretend play and all of that. But as so, for example, in the kitchen, having a toddler rinse vegetables, even though you're going to have to go back and do it, <laughs> you know, or put the things in the basket and like let them play in the water, like teaching them how to chop vegetables with a real knife, like whether that looks like getting a kid's size and having your hand over theirs until you build trust. And now they can, you know, obviously monitored, but they can chop vegetables and actually cook real food, not just play with play food. So those things that you might not think of as necessarily like Ayurvedic per se, but it's those skills that I know I didn't gain as a child, like learning how to cook foods from scratch (laughs) or, and they love herbs. So especially during the pandemic, when 
there wasn't school, we would go out and I was taking an herbalism course at the time. So we forged mullein and made tea and things like that and dandelion flowers and made dandelion cookies. And even now I have the herb jars and they like to mix the teas. I'll just point and tell them which one to put in the jar. And so things like that, but it's not like I sit down and say like, well, now we're going to learn about the doshas. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Oh, I love that. And that's where I love to incorporate that with just like nature. Cause I have a favorite nature trail and with my son. And that's kind of how I, I taught him about the doshas without necessarily telling about them because, you know, in Minnesota here, we have the distinct four seasons. And so I'm like, what are you observing happening in nature right now? Let's look at how the trees change as we come back to this trail every season. And so little ways like that, where you're like, oh, that is it's Ayurveda, but kid friendly. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you never know what you're planting the seed. Another thing that I would consider Ayurvedic that I didn't have growing up, I've had to teach myself as adult is emotional digestion Ooh, yeah. and being able to stay centered through their emotional ups and downs. And the other day, my daughter who's six was having an emotional breakdown. I can say. Um, and I'm like, well, what do you, what would you like in this moment? would you like, and she couldn't express herself. So I was about to do a yoga nidra anyway. And I usually in the afternoon, that's when I'll give them screen time and I'll go do a yoga nidra, but I invited her to come do it with me. So I put the eye mask on, we laid on the ground in waterfall pose. Of course she was wiggling and I had to do it again later without her, but the (laughs) seed was planted and she was calm after that. And then the next day she was asked me, can we do it again? And now we've done, and the next day after that, she said, can this be part of our ritual every day? So we've been doing it every day together. Um, And that's like not something I could have forced, you know, because if I would have said like, oh, we're going to sit down and meditate, they would be just rolling all over the place, throwing rocks at me. Yes. (laughs) I love that. But I I feel like for moms, it's when it, that's why uh, whenever I work with moms, it's setting foundation for yourself. And then it just naturally pours over. Like you have that love for nature and you want to go on the nature trail and then you know, yeah. they're along for the ride. Yes. Yes, totally. <laughs> but of course I, there's things that are helpful, like, you know, hitting the nature trail first and then the playground. So if they're not keen yep. for the walk, there's exactly what we objective do at the end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, especially when he was younger, I was like, all right, we just got to go one more mile and we get park times. All right. <laughs> I would love to kind of dive into um, the five senses and ways that you kind of work with the five senses. This was something that I themed one of my yoga practices with last week with Pratyahara and, you know, really tapping in. Are you overstimulated with touch? And if you the people are like, wow, I'm so glad you asked that. Cause as moms, again, coming back to that, you're like, oh, I don't think about that. But yeah, if constantly people are touching you, grabbing you, and if you have pets and they're on top of you, and then you have your spouse and you're like, need some space. So can you talk a little bit about the five senses and, you know, maybe how people can look at those in their lives? Yeah, I love that. Um, And when you were saying that about touch, I was just thinking about sometimes we don't always, I mean, yeah, you can tell your kids not to be touching you, but they're probably not going to listen unless they're (laughs) of a certain age, or if you're breastfeeding, you don't have a choice, like they're going to be touching you. So I was just thinking about how if one sense is overloaded and there's not so much you can do about it, perhaps lessening the load for the other senses creates more space for that one sense. So for example, 
when you are breastfeeding, there's so much time that you have to just stop what you're doing and sitting down. And of course, it's very tempting to grab the phone and scroll during that time. And then you're overstimulating your eyes and you're also taking in like way too much information. Yeah. <laughs> um, you put yourself into a vata frenzy. I mean, I'm guilty. So no judgment. <laughs> I couldn't speak oh. so freely about it if I didn't do it myself. Yes. That is one where I like, I'm like, okay, no phone this time, you know, like in the exactly. middle of the night, sometimes I will, but then I found now I'm like, I can't get back to sleep. So again, it's the Vata where I'm like, now I'm up and I'm already not getting sleep. So I can totally relate. And I'm sure many people who breastfed and got the phone know exactly what you're talking about. Oh yeah. I breastfed both my kids for two years each. So that was like a good chunk of time. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah. So I think if you don't have an option to I also think when it comes, so we're talking about like taking a break from the senses. There's the things you could do for yourself, like choosing not to scroll while you eat or choosing not to scroll while you breastfeed and instead looking at leaves or looking at something you find soothing or looking at a picture in your home, like setting yourself up so that when you do sit down, you have a pleasing atmosphere. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to close your eyes, of course, if you can close your eyes and just really give the eyes a full break, that's nice. And the same with sound. Um, my kids just got off of school. So I'm just laughing in my mind because I try to go do the yoga nidra. I try to make that the time where they settle down and watch a movie or something, but they're just, you know, it's like, I can hear the feet. I can hear the fridge opening. I can hear the movie. Like it's blasted as soon as I walk out the room. So part of it is that I just have to ignore all of that and because I'll never get the practice if I don't. Um, but making sure that we do get little pockets of time. I think it, when I became a mom also, and I'm sure you can relate to this, like gone were the 90 minute practices every day <laughs> or, or 60 minute practices yeah. and instead like 10 minutes is something special and weaving totally. it in throughout the day and letting that be enough. Um, so it's, as a mom, it's not all or nothing for sure. And I feel like, so when it comes, if we were just to go through the senses, like with touch at a very basic level, and I'm sure everyone that listens to this podcast is already there, but really just making sure that the things you touch aren't, aren't toxic so that your lotions and oils and beauty products and cleaning products and all of that are as clean as possible. Um, just so that they're not like adding that extra layer of toxins in through the sensory organ of the skin and through the nose. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, yeah. And then first, <laughs> I love essential oils myself. So that's like my favorite. Um, and I just got like a really good air purifier. So that's another I way. did as well. Yeah. <laughs> an air doctor a couple, well, right before my son was born, I was like, I'm investing in nice. And then I put what well, I got two. I got one for my son's room as well. So I'm like, yep, we're going to go for it. So it's great. Yeah. I feel like recently I, um, was learning a little bit about Vastu and I'm by no means an expert, but I just love this concept that the home is like an, like if your body's your vehicle that you live in, that you're caring for, and the home is like your extension. And especially as moms, a lot of us with younger kids, we spend a lot of time at home. So we're here a lot. So making it as pleasant as possible, even though we do have to deal with some clutter. Yes. (laughs) And kid stuff, but like the essential oils and the air purifier and decluttering as much as possible and having soothing colors, all of these things create an environment that soothes the senses. Yes. I was just explaining that to my husband because we have our, I call it my moon room because I used to host my moon circles in it. And then I ended up buying a bigger dining room table, but it's still called the moon room. 
but it's like a mess. And I told him, I was like, oh, that's just like, for me, it's like excess vata. And like, it's, I can't be in this room. It's just so cluttered and Scott stuff everywhere. Most of it's his and my older sons. And so he, my, my son cleaned it up. My husband's still got to clean up his stuff and just describing, I'm like, Hey, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't care if it's messy. Like he can live in like a mess. Whereas I am like, no, I've always been this way since I was young, having it tidy. And I need that. I mean, that's probably like my pitta. I like it to be organized. I like it to be neat and everything has its place. And, you know, I'm like, I can live with toys in the living room. Cause you know, I'm trying to get my older son off screens. So I'm like, okay, if it's going to be a little messy and your toys are everywhere, totally fine. You know, and that that's what I'm going to have to deal with as uh, removing screens from you. So not as much. And I'm putting stricter boundaries around that. Um, cause it got away from us as, you know, Onyx, my younger one was born. Cause I'm like, okay, he's three months now. I'm like, we got to start weaning you back off all of the screen time that we gave you. Cause I can notice a difference in him. Like he just bounces off the walls. So all those little things I think that are, you know, maybe we don't think about like our home. If, if you discover that you're really like, oof, you know, Vata, you know, induced with all of the mess, you know, that could be something to be like, how can I make this, um, you know, as tidy as it can, or, you know, live within the mess or have it on the outskirts. Like my son has certain places for his stuff now, but it's not necessarily put away. Yeah. I mean, as far as that goes, sometimes I just sort of do like a sweep and put a pile of each person's stuff. Love it. <laughs> that way it's not in the space that I want to use, especially yes. the kitchen. I like the kitchen to be cluttery, clutter-free. So I'll just scoop it all up and like move it to an area where it's not there while I'm cooking. Same. <laughs> I was like, no dinosaurs on the kitchen cupboard. You don't have enough yeah. space. <laughs> Yeah. And so I feel like that also includes like taking care of the eyes, that sensory overload of looking around and having like that energy everywhere. It's just too much. So having uh, clear spaces. Yeah. And as you talked about with the scrolling, cause I think that's such a big, like, if you're oh all, yeah. Always on the screens and phones and TV. It's, it's a lot. It is. And I was going to say something that's been helpful for me, especially as someone running a business is time blocking and allotting a chunk of time when possible for like administrative taxes, uh, duties, like tasks. That's what I'm going to say. Not taxes, tasks, (laughs) (laughs) like checking the email, paying online bills, doing like all the things that we need to do. That's sort of like pizza driven, (laughs) Uh, task list, like doing it all at once. And then having maybe the creative time of writing the projects or making the notes or whatever all at once. So the brain's not constantly going back and forth and then having dedicated time offline. Yeah. How do you manage that too with social media and running your business? I think that's the one that a lot of people who run their own businesses are like, man, trying to find either I've talked to some practitioners who are like, I'm just horrible at it. I'm not on it ever. Or others are like, I'm still trying to figure out that balance. I think a lot of trial and error and experimenting. One thing that I always do is take the month of November off. So I Mm. plan like a launch or whatever classes around not selling anything that month. And I just take it off of my phone completely for the month. Um, And I'm actually planning to do that again for a month this summer, just because last summer I was sharing about um, a brand new program and I was doing that a lot during the summer. And it just, I felt like that was a lot of energy during the pitta time (laughs) and having the kids home. And so this year I definitely 
took some time to plan out when I want to be, um, you know, trying to fill a course versus time that I don't want to be sharing anything really just, you know, and so intentionally putting total time off on my calendar from social media and I'll still be working. I'll be working with people that have already signed up to work with me and things like that, but it won't be, um, that quick pace that social media has. And then another thing that's been helpful is having like those content creating blocks of time. So creating a couple of posts at once. Now this, this, see, everyone has like their own creative process and this doesn't work for me when it comes to like intuitive ideas that just hit, but it's like, if I'm specifically focused on a, a certain course, you know, then I can sit down and just do a couple of things ahead of time and like bulk make those, but then there's still the, in the moment things that just pop in my head. Those sometimes I'll just write them in my notes on my phone and then save them for later. Like, you know, something happens with your kids and you're like, oh, this connects so well to this topic. And I'll just jot that in my notes real quick. Or I've even started doing voice that way. I'm not even typing it out. And then later I'll make sense of it. Um, so yeah, and I've, I've go up and down, but one thing I've really shifted is not being online in the evenings anymore and not being online first thing in the morning. And as a mom, it's really hard. And in the past I have gone online and done work at those times because that's the time you're not on the screen in front of the kids. Mm -hmm. My now mine are a little more independent. They're in school. So I try to do everything during school hours. That way I'm not, because I don't want to be modeling for them always being on my phone. Yep. Totally. That's the same. That's kind of what I do. I'm like, usually late afternoon evenings. I was like, nope, I'm not, I'm off my phone, not on social media and minus the middle of the night. If I'm breastfeeding, (laughs) (laughs) I have Um, learned too. I can't, I cannot go on my phone at night. I'm I've noticed, I probably always was sensitive and it always did disrupt sleep, but I've just, the deeper you go in the Ayurvedic journey, as you know, the more you are aware and feel those things. And now I could just feel it right away. Like if I even look at my phone at the time in the middle of the night, that disrupts me. So I put a, I charge it in another room and I put, um, like a little towel over it so that there's no lights even showing. <laughs> so that's what I'm like, I always told people I'm like, Oh, I'm off my phone. If you try to text me or call me after seven, I, it's on silent and it's usually in my office here. And I'm not in my office at that time. And you know, people just know like, okay, like if you really need me, my husband is working, so you can call him. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm like setting those boundaries. I think sometimes we think like, oh, I need to be, someone might try to reach me and, you know, in actuality, (laughs) like it's not like nobody really ever did. Or if my mom did, she would just wait. And she already knew like, oh, she'll just text me back tomorrow. Like it's not urgent. So. I know. I feel like if my kids are with me, then there's definitely nothing that needs my attention. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And I'm usually home with my, with my boys because my husband works evenings coaching basketball. So I'm here with them. So I was like, well, unless he needs me, which sometimes in the winter here in Minnesota, sometimes I'll have it just in case he gets stuck or, you know, car doesn't start or something like that. Then I'm like, I probably should be available. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't know if like everyone already does this or not, but I have all notifications off. So when it comes to social media, like I check in when I am ready, but all notifications are off that way. (laughs) Yes, totally. I'm the exact same. Um, well, I just want to kind of tackle one more kind of topic and, um, you know, dive into a little bit of OJAs. So this is one that, um, I share a little bit in a solo episode coming up here, but I thought I would share a little bit more, hear your insight onto OJAs and 
what Ayurveda says ojas are, the importance of them, and I get yoga as well, because this might be a term where if people aren't familiar with Ayurveda, if they've done yoga, they may be like, oh, I've heard of this ojas. Can you talk about, you know, what what is ojas? Why are they important? And all of the things there. Yeah, ojas is the subtle essence of kapha dosha. So we know that dosha literally translates to out of whack, I think. <laughs> and it's when these the five elements in the way that they form as the three doshas push us out of balance. But then that positive aspect of them, prana, tejas, and ojas, prana being the positive aspect of vata, tejas being the positive life-affirming subtle essence of fire, and then ojas being that positive life-affirming essence of water. So I think of it as juiciness, Mm. but I also think of it as the container for the other two. So if we don't have enough lubrication and juiciness in all forms, basically vata will dry us out and pitta will burn us up. (laughs) And when we have adequate ojas, we have space for everything in life because the Ayurvedic perspective is that ojas provides us with immunity. So our health, and then also our blissfulness. So it's like juiciness of the mind. And I kind of think of it like when it comes to juiciness of the mind, when there's an aggravator that we're able to like can float down the river, just rolls off our back (laughs) because we can allow it in and process it and allow it out rather than when our mind, if you could, if you think of it, like in a Vata frenzied mind, it's kind of like getting kicked, like that thought's getting kicked all around in there. And then in a Pitta driven mind, it's like burning up and creating rage. (laughs) But when Ojas is there, it's juicy. It's like, oh, it's, we can be more of an observer. It's, um, but especially for moms, it's said in the Ayurvedic text that giving birth depletes ojas. So that postpartum period where pretty much, I mean, hello, you had jury duty. Like that shouldn't <laughs> even be legal in my opinion. Um, that postpartum period, we don't get enough care. And so we're we don't replenish ojas in the way. And I, as I shared, you know, even in my own journey, I became ill when I was 21. After a year of Western intervention, I was able to coast basically. Mm-hmm. And then when I had my son, that's when I started to have more inflammation and aggravation. And it took me a long time to realize that that was that postpartum period that And I didn't have a job at the time that I had to go right back to work or anything, but I still didn't have proper care. I didn't have family nearby. It was, you know, my husband was always working. I was alone with a baby (laughs) with basically no support. Um, So it's just impossible to, in modern society without a village. But anyways, what for anyone that's going to have a baby learning as much as you can about proper postpartum care and putting all the things into place as much as you can and really seeking help and accepting help. And then for anyone that's already had children, like being gentle with yourself that you're repairing and rebuilding ojas. Um, So all of the ways of nourishing yourself and really being the mother to yourself, like all of those things that you do for someone else, like doing that for yourself. Yes. I love that. And that's where I'm like that whole first year, like just really being kind and slow to yourself. Like I am like probably back in my business, maybe like 25%. I'm like, my only focus really are my podcast and my newsletter. It's the only thing that I'm like, those things will keep going. The rest 
I'll do social media when I feel like it, you know, I have like a little bit of client work, but I'm not full. Like I haven't opened my schedule full bore yet. And I won't until September just because my husband's schedule. And so like all of those little things I intentionally went into this time because last time I didn't and felt so overwhelmed and was so just depleted. And that's why, that's how I found Narivada originally was after my first son was born. And I was like, what is wrong with me? And then I ended up in a year long Ayurveda course. It's like, this is magic. Like this is the medicine I needed. And, you know, all of those little things that, I mean, I always tell people too, because sometimes you don't know after your first, you just try to pop back into things. And then, you know, a few months later, you might just like hit a wall and you're like, what happened? And, you know, it's just, we reflect back and we're like, well, you know, I did, like, I went to California at six weeks postpartum for like a business trip, you know, little things like that, where you can kind of pinpoint where things might've went awry. Yeah. Yeah. I was traveling too with a little peanut. <laughs> yeah. I left my son. I was, <laughs> oh my gosh. so yeah, I had pumped and pumped and pumped. So I, he would have enough milk. And that was also probably not great for me with the first child. Like I had no idea what I was doing. And I just remember my clients, they didn't tell me not to. They're like, are you sure you want to do this? Cause they had already, you know, had kids and they were in their head. They're like, this is not a great idea. But you don't know until you don't know. And that's, you know, half the battle of like getting in there or discovering, I feel like any holistic medicine is, you know, sometimes you hit that rock bottom and then you're like, okay, I got to find a different way than the way I was going. Yeah. You know, and this past fall, I went to a Panchakarma center that I call it like Panchakarma light because I've had an intense Panchakarma experience <laughs> and then I've had a more gentle experience. And they're both valuable and they just kind of offer different things. But the gentle one, I had the Abhyanga every day for five days and it was a lovely experience. The intense one was more like medicinal oil and <laughs> less pleasurable. I mean, all massage is good, but definitely like more clinical yeah. where this one was lovely. And after having a lovely massage for five days, that kickstarted me to commit to doing Abhyanga every day. So I've been doing... Um, massage almost every day. I've missed a few days here and there. However, like we talked about, there's been shortcuts. Sometimes I just throw the oil on my body and I just hop in the shower. Like I don't even sit at all. Like I'll sit down to do it, but then, um, I'll rinse it off, but it's still creating like that barrier because the water sort of slicks off and that's, oh, just boosting and nourishing, but it's also, we could say like a little detoxifying because we're boosting circulation and all of that and and just making everything like more supple. So I think for everyone listening, if you haven't tried Abhyanga, oh, <laughs> that's, that's like, a, and, and the funny thing is in motherhood, like, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, there's no privacy. So they've seen everything. They've seen me like, you know, in the bathroom <laughs> with the oil, they're just coming and talk about Pokemon cards. I'm like, okay. So, funny. so let me not like plant a seed of perfection in anyone thinking that like I'm in my spa experience by myself for an hour every morning. <laughs> I love it. I love it. See, that's where I'm like, that was when I did during pregnancy. And then I've just started kind of hopping back into Abhinyanga now. I'm like, okay, now that my son is kind of going to sleep a little bit more predictably at night. And so I'm like, back to my, I like to do it at night. And I'm like, cause that's where I have the most space and don't have to like get up and go first thing in the morning. And so I'm like, this is wonderful. And adding that back in and I'm like, oh, I miss this. I didn't realize how much I enjoyed it because it kind of just became routine during pregnancy. And so sometimes you're like, you realize the practices that you really want to keep incorporated 
when they get removed and you're like, oh, I really did find a lot of benefit in that practice. Yes. Yes. And I think that's like a really valuable learning tool for everyone too, to be soft on themselves and not um, like critical if you let something go and then you realize, because when you do miss it and you realize like the role that it gave you, yeah, that's a learning tool. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that's also like how I weeded out what's essential for me and what I let go. Like, for example, you know, I don't do a neti pot. I don't Mm. enjoy it. I don't have any sinus problems. I'm not kapha type, but you know, so I just, I'm like once in a while I go swimming in the ocean and I let the salt water clear it out and it's good enough. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I love that. I mean, that's a great point. Cause I think that's where we, you might feel guilt if you're like, oh, this is a practice that everyone loves or everyone does. Maybe it's Abhinyanga for some people. They're like, mm-hmm. I hate it, you know, where other people are like, oh, that's my thing. And, um, you know, that's what, this is one thing I like about Ayurveda. It's very, it's individual. It's what do you need? It's not a mass prescription of these items where I think it's easy to see that online. I think people can get kind of confused of that, of like, here are the things. And I share those too, but I always make, and I don't know how many people read captions either, but I'm like, what feels best to you? You know, it's not like here, you have to do all these things. Cause that's again, where the overwhelm, the guilt, and then, you know, people just kind of freeze and don't do anything instead of let me try one thing. Yeah. And I think like letting it be messy, like I put the, um, oil swish on my counter. So I'll remember to do it. But in the morning, sometimes once they come in and talk to me, I forget. And then later in the middle of the day, I see it sitting there. So I'll just do it in the afternoon, like totally separate from a morning oral care routine, but it happens. So it's good enough, you know? (laughs) Yes. Well, if people are um, wondering where can they connect with you at, where's the best um, website, social media that you might hang out on and your podcast as well. Uh, My website is simpleayurveda.com. So that's super easy to find. And then I chat about everything Ayurveda related, embarrassing real life (laughs) on the Simple Ayurveda podcast. And my Instagram is at simple underscore Ayurveda. So easy, easy to find. Yeah. And then where um, I always like to have my weekly challenge. And so you already mentioned Abhinyanga. I don't know if you want to make that the challenge or not, but I figured I would throw out the option. What would you like that challenge to be this week for people? Have you had the challenge of chew your food well yet? Um, we might have, but it's been years. So, (laughs) okay. (laughs) I think that, um, let's see. Oh my gosh. Um, I think choose something beautiful to look at every day, actually, because we were talking about the senses and like motherhood overwhelms to find something beautiful to look at every day. I love that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Angela, for coming on and um, sharing all your wisdom and definitely check out our podcast. If you love Ayurveda and you want to know more um, and just relatable Ayurveda. So I love it. And you incorporate, and you talked about the text. And so it's, it's infused, but it's also like, Hey, how is this practical for, you know, modern life? Yeah. Which is how Ayurveda was meant to be learned through a teacher, through what you're doing, like through that lens of a teacher that you relate to that understands you yes, and is able to like sum up the essence and, and make it meaningful. I love it. Well, thank you again. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) 